0: And soak in the conversation. Welcome to the TNE Speakeasy with your hosts Caleb and Isaac. Listen in as they dive deeper into some more thoughts on Star Wars, nineteen seventy-seven. Isaac, here we are back in the uh, the bar after some. Yeah, we were having some issues with that recent uh, you know, Star Wars discussion that we, we had going on there. Some, yeah, some issues. Uh, yeah, Sean was uh, you know, a little passing out there in the corner, and you were having to run around and deal with some staffing issues that you're in the bar. <sighs> so you were dropping under that discussion quite a bit near the end.
1: I mean. Yeah, it was yeah, it was a, it was a game night here as well. Well, it wasn't even just that. We had that we had that band that came in and played a lot of jazz music. So it was like, yeah, they were they were having it. The audience was definitely having it. So I had to step away from the conversation every now and then. Uh, so it's like, yeah, sorry about that, there, buds. But there was a lot that was, uh, as they say, left on the table.
0: Yeah, and that's why we've decided to uh, turn their quarterback on for this this evening here and. Yeah, maybe catch up on some of those bits that you unfortunately had to miss out on. And uh, yeah, is there where, where should we begin with this uh, catching up corner? Well, um, I definitely missed and uh, did
1: not get a chance to answer Steve's question about Princess Leia. That was uh, definitely one hmm. that may uh, come to bite me in the in the bud later on in the future if I don't get it out there uh, and say, you know thinking about what I, when I said this, it feels more like, uh, ai can't say reexamination, but it definitely does feel like a a love letter and a shout out, um, with obviously many other references, but, uh, Star Wars 77 is much more of a, a a newer version of a, you know, movie serial or just a, a serial in general back in the, like, again, it is Flash Gordon, but in, uh, 1977 and with many different, um, influences with it instead if princess leia is supposed to be like you know the female compatriot whatever role they have in flash gordon and buck rogers um this one is a different version of them and i guess one that's a little bit more i hope this isn't a buzzword that eric would prefer but i guess a little more proactive i mean she's well, as I guess Carrie Fisher once said, she's a damsel in distress, but more of just a damsel, but she's in distress as in, like, she's on the Death Star, but that doesn't necessarily mean she's helpless. Like, you know, one could say, oh, she's helpless, you know, in the crash compactor scene. And so is everybody
0: else in there. Yeah, she wasn't just, yeah, a damsel waiting to be saved. She just needed her opportunity to uh, kick into action. i to get rid of her cage she
1: literally could not get literally out of her cat Like she was trapped as anybody else would be. So like, yeah. So I think um, I won't say that she has a title of, you know, Oh, one of the first, like, you know, uh, well-written female characters. I think she's a, do you think she's a well-written character in this movie?
0: Yeah. For, for what she is for a movie more about um, adventure and, and archetypes, I think that she fills out that role very well. Do I think that she's necessarily like a, a great character or or a super well um, fleshed out one? No, but for what this movie needs her to be, I think she serves out the role very well.
1: Yeah, I agree. And yeah, it is interesting that he had her on this, uh, or Lucas had her on the sidelines in the end, just, I guess being like the great choir with C-3PO where he's the one that makes all the dialogue and I don't know, quips, where just like, you know, he's, he's actually, I guess maybe it's a role, maybe people might see this nowadays, but they, they see it as a role of reverse, where she's, you know, she'd be the one like, oh no, Luke, like, please don't fail, or something like that, but it's C-3PO who's the one to
0: speak out instead. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. And one of the things that I, I, I think I highlighted, I can't quite remember, I was a little bit drunk at the time. Oh, were you? Dipping into my own supply. Uh, but Yeah, C-3PO, I mean, I was complaining and complaining about him during the the prequels. But he really is a a star standout in this original one. He's so funny. So many great lines and him just bullying R2, kicking him uh, early on when he like sends him like, you go your way, I'm I'm going this way, I, I, I can't stand you anymore. Some of that stuff is just so fun and it's too bad that they didn't know how to capture that vibe again later on cuz even into Empire I feel like he starts becoming more annoying than than funny.
1: They put him in a different direction, but we'll we'll discuss that through yeah, Empire
0: right. another time. Don't worry.
1: Um yeah, no, I I kind of like the idea of if they found voices for these do, Yeah, do you think by the end of this film everybody has a voice?
0: Yeah, I think maybe maybe Chewie doesn't find his voice till Empire. That's that's the only one.
1: Yeah, that's the only one who doesn't. Um and you know what? That's okay. I, I accept and yeah. maybe, maybe like not okay. Cause you don't just want him to be the token. Like I guess co-pilot. Yeah, that's, I think it's fair. Like, he doesn't have much to say, but like, I guess when he does, he's, he's there. He's not, he's not a walking carpet as, as Princess Leia says, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm trying to prevent myself. I'm not to worry about spoilers, but uh, I'm trying to stick to this film as its own and not, you know, um, have the foreknowledge of what comes afterwards into it. Uh, yeah. He's largely just like a side character in this other than being you know the he's intimidating we know that much uh through what han says but yeah uh yeah i'm that's good so one thing that i guess they kind of did as well uh is it's almost you know dnd style uh where you have these characters and you put them in a situation and see how they deal with with it i don't know if it's fully a hundred percent like that when say like they're all in the trash compactor of like okay how do they how does everybody react but Actually, I think it makes sense because Han's so like you know up front. And he's direct, so it's just like as soon as he lands in there, it's like all right, I'm blasting our way out of here. And all of a sudden, yes, yeah. you, you know how it's magnetically sealed. And I always love that scene, by the way. That was that was a great bit of comedy, in effect. Like, and they don't honestly, they never pull that move off again in like later like later episodes.
0: With them all kind of isolated in one little spot, trying to get out.
1: Not just that, but like, a you never see something like as ridiculous as it is like a bolt ricocheting like off the walls like you never see that happen again
0: yeah that's fair and you know now that i think about it when we i mean maybe this is again something to discuss with the the next two films but in empire return of the jedi so much of their plots are separated into different little pockets yep so that's something to cherish about that original film is actually getting to see all the characters put together in a group and having to to work together oh yeah no, you're you're right there. Yeah, maybe maybe that's something that I undersell in, in that original one. Yeah, but sorry, you go ahead.
1: <laughs> no, I, I you know I also was thinking about this as well. I love I love the fact that you know Hans is you know he, he's this cocky son of a gun. Uh, when we first meet him in Moss Eisley, the the cantina, excuse me, and you know he, you know when when the Empire shows up, yeah, he's out of there. Like makes sense, of course. He's not a coward or anything like that, but he's like oh, okay, I'm not dealing with these guys because he realizes yeah I can't like you know. I can't beat these guys at all, so I just got to run from yeah. them, and that, that sort of works for his in his favor, and also doesn't because he's like, "Yeah, we're gonna outrun these imperial slugs." that <laughs> ends up on the Death Star, which I guess is just karmic justice or whatnot. Um, yeah, but I do and- like the the whole like you know yeah almost a, not deconstruction, but kind of Han Solo eating his words of like brashfulness and cockiness when all of a sudden he's stuck on the Death Star, and it's like, how the hey do I get out of this situation? I kind of like that we. I guess we're especially in the trash compactor scene where he almost like is risking his life. I think we've probably seen that this probably exists in other characters back in the serials that we've mentioned and other ones also where you, you have that token, you know, brashful character, but I, I, I don't know. I like not, it's not deconstruction, but I just, I definitely like, you know, where he kind of, where Han kind of loses his tongue. He kind of has to like, you know, eat his own words uh, in a way, And you know where he's like he acts kind of swashbuckly where he's going to go after those troopers and then ends up you know in a dead end with all of them together. He's like okay can't do that because I also like that scene a lot where he's just running like a maniac and screaming at the top of his lungs bum rush style.
0: Yeah no I I always like that scene and I'm again I'm so annoyed at the current versions because if you you watch the 4K uh, version they have on Disney Plus it looks so great. But when he runs down to the hall and you see all these awkwardly CGI'd in troopers in the back, and some of them are even shooting, and it, it looks like they should be shooting the people in front of them. <laughs> it's like, oh, you just, you take out so much of the wind out of the sails of this great scene, just with that awkward stuff. Ugh.
1: And it's, you know, it's, it's weird also how much of a, f- like, how much humor is in this film. Uh, Especially that scene where he run, bum rushes the troopers and then, like, ends up again. I'm using the original version, not the, the non special edition yeah. version, yeah. Uh, where he just runs into a dead end and it's more of the troopers. So it's like, again, somehow, I don't know if that would be considered the ironic state we have. I don't know if it's you call it ironic, but just, you know, the current state of Disney films with their brand of humor. But I guess it's a different kind of. I don't know. Does that make sense where it's like. I mean, maybe that maybe this punchline is different than what we have nowadays or how jokes land nowadays. I don't know. does that make sense?
0: Yeah, um I think one of the things that ruined modern humor in in movies and, and don't get me wrong every now and again, there's good jokes in films, but yeah, of course i i I don't know if this is true. This is just the feeling that I get, um, especially when it comes to marvel and and Eric always says i I think erroneously. That the brand of humor with the, you know, the quips, as he says, started with Guardians of the Galaxy. I don't, I, every time he says that, I I always want to jump in and say that that's not true, but for whatever reason, it just, the conversation never goes there. Uh, That started with Iron Man in 2008. That's true. And one of the things that defined that movie was the humor and the fact that so much of it was done in improv. And so in modern MCU, and I, feel like star wars they do some of this too they have the scenes for the reserve for the this is going to be the humor scene and they just let people improv and try to come up with stuff they do in the mcu and i always wondered if during those scenes if they bring in comedians to help flesh out the improv because it it, so much of the bad humor in movies feels like terrible stand-up comedian just cheesy crap humor and I always wonder if if those people are in the set just ruining the the vibe. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. That's just my maybe that's my bias as someone who does not like stand up comedians. Um but that's that's what I think is has damaged uh, humor in films so terribly.
1: Yeah, not to keep going down this trail, but I guess in a way to to defend Iron Man in a way, I think going back to it, I I haven't seen it in a while. I think I saw it like a year or two ago. I like it a lot. Uh yes, I think the absolutely. improv works. I think the, I think it's also just, you know, in large part due to Robert Downey Jr. Yes, being a good improv actor. Absolutely. Uh and that's the reason why because they weren't saying, "All right, here's like the ad-libs basically, like Mad libs, excuse me, like fill in the blank of like what your, you know, what what your joke is." This is mm-hmm. like on the set they're they're doing the script and then all of a sudden like, you know, because of Downey Jr.'s like witty mind or whatever, he comes up with something. And then they played a game of telephone and realized, oh, this means that, you know, these movies have to be quippy. Yeah. No, you just have to have actors who are good at that and allow, actually allow the actors to act what and bring something to the table. What Robert Downey Jr. did with his character was he brought improv to the character. I don't know if Tony Stark is like that in the comics. I don't read Tony Stark in the comics. Not that I won't, but at this time I haven't, or at that around that time I wasn't and still have not. So I don't know if Robert or Tony Stark is that quippy, but what Downey Jr. brought to that version of the character was quippiness and it worked very well, but also to, you know, the whole universe's detriment. Yeah. Later on, of course,
0: unfortunately. So, and and it seemed at first like they were going to be more sparing like that. Incredible Hulk movie, I don't think it was too bad with the humor. Um, Iron Man two went too far, <laughs> and Thor, uh, yeah, it was, was awkward as well. But I think that they pulled back with uh, Captain America: The First Avenger. So, you no, know, they had their chance to try to be more reserved, but it just took over. And then with Star Wars, with the, especially in the Last Jedi, which has the most embarrassing example. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. <laughs> we'll get to it. Um, yeah, it's just like I. You, it's fine if you put in uh, some jokes here or there, but just stopping for, okay, this is the part where that we want to put a joke. Let's just try to figure it out on the day. I don't necessarily feel like that's, that's smart. And I don't know if that's what they're doing, but that feels forced uh, in a way.
1: It just feels unnatural. Yeah. It's like, eh, I don't know if that should, You should let the, you know, how the scene, the scene like flow with, uh, go with the flow. Um, here's what I was thinking. Just as you said all of that, I was like, okay, to better make a statement of what i was saying before and how muddled i said it um the scene with again han bum rushing those storm storm troopers not
0: to stay on it
1: but how would that scene play nowadays how do you think that scene would play
0: um i don't know i i mean i guess if you in the wrong hands they might end it with him as he's running back saying some stupid line that's it or that's it as he runs in and then sees them he says some stupid line and then shoots like, oh
1: man, I thought there'd be less guys or something like that. That's even more lame.
0: <laughs> yeah, something something dumb. Something that makes you groan. Oh man, these stormtroopers are
1: more packed than a can of sardines.
0: Yeah, and again, I I think just comedians modern comedians, I think, are just terrible. I really do think that they're just horrible. And and I know it's I know maybe that's just me as someone who does not like a lot of humor. But I point to Ghostbusters Afterlife. Did you see that? No, I never did. God, so many, and, and Ghostbusters 2016, just so many awkward, just forced jokes that just feel like they're desperate for you to laugh. And then you go back and watch the original Ghostbusters, and it, so much of it just feels so natural. Oh, yeah. There's just different different styles of humor back then. And all the comedians
1: in that picture of Ghostbusters, I'd say 84, um, they all worked well together, and they all like knew each other. Ernie Hudson yeah. only being, like, the, the newer guy, but, like, it, he still seemed to pick up, you know, on what everybody was doing as characters, so, like, and, it, and he made it work. Um, yeah, uh, what is it? Uh, I, th- I think Leslie Jones was probably the best thing of 2016, by the way. Sorry for <laughs> going there, but, like, yeah, I think she was, like, the best actor, or at least, you know, the funniest person in that movie. Uh,
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she's got, from what I've seen of Le- Leslie Jones, her career, it seems like she's got A one trick pony kind of joke style you know a lot of her humor comes from just screaming uh in almost everything that i've seen her in, she pulls that out but in terms of her giving just more of a natural performance and feeling like a likable character yeah i definitely think she's easily the best one out of that group
1: anyways sorry way off tangent yeah um there we go so yeah the humor i'm not gonna don't worry even though i'm gonna mention it not going to just mention, you know, postmodern Gen X baloney, but anyway. Um, let's see, Where what, what do you have in your notes for this film, sir? Because I'm going back and forth. I still have some ideas, but what do, what do you have uh, to bring to the table today?
0: Hmm. Um, well, I, I don't think we talked about it much during the discussion, but we definitely discussed it a little bit when we did The Hidden Fortress. But I love the way that Lucas played with the old school style of... Um, Doing the wipes and kind of the fade outs, and one of my all-time favorite ones ever since I was a kid, I loved this. Is I loved after the the uh, the Tuscan Raiders had attacked, and poor C three p was all I think he was cut in half, and they like oh he's like oh just leave me sir I'm like oh, and they pick him up, and they as they pick him up the uh, that's the transition. I always thought that was such a, a clever and fun. Uh, way to do a wipe! I love that, and so, so I, I just appreciate Lucas if he's going to go back and be like, I, "I'm kind of making a throwback movie to go back to that more old school style of wipes and f- funny transitions." I thought was a really a good way to make this thing stand out, especially in the 70s where that stuff was already well passe. I always loved that part of Star Wars.
1: Yeah, no, that was a uh, that was very clever. I, I was yeah, you, as soon as you said, I was like. That is very clever, very subtle. I'm uh, just like, you know, it goes with the motion itself.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I
1: wish I wish you did that more. That's, yeah, that's really good. Oh, I gotta, yeah, that is really good. I like that.
0: Yeah, so, so yeah, just lots of fun. And we didn't really talk about in the overall discussion how much this was Lucas being like, because especially for kids who grew up with Star Wars, they may not think of the fact that when it came out, it was already playing with old conventions and was being a reference piece to, to stuff that was... Yeah, not the norm for how people were making films at that time. It's easy for kids who don't really have that context to miss it. But yeah, going back, it just—it's a fun part of the movie that that I always that I appreciate more and more as I get older and experience older films more.
1: And I assume that's why it was a success because it had for kids who had never seen all that stuff, it was brand new to them. For the adults in the audience who were watching it, it was a reference to that old stuff. Yeah,
0: nostalgic for them.
1: Yeah, no, that's cool. There you go, but in a different context, though, it was like, oh, it's like this, but uh, it's done this way, and I guess not better necessarily, but at least with a budget to it, or at least you know, uh, realized.
0: Yeah, the more modern sensibility of the effects, and yeah, no longer in black and white. <laughs> so, and it's like giving a fresh coat of paint to an old uh, friend.
1: And we've been trying to do that year after year after year since. Oh, yeah. To varying effects.
0: Yeah. And I don't just mean with Star Wars, but just with, like, movies in general. Yeah, the nostalgia, the drug of nostalgia that they constantly feel the need to be like, oh, are you still hooked? Like, uh, get, get, get your next hit here. Don't get it over there. Yeah, they're just the desperation for feeding on the particularly Gen X nostalgia. And me and Eric have had many debates about this because for whatever reason, it works on him. And he's always like, ah, like you're just, you just, you're too young to, to get it at this point, but one day you'll get there. Uh, but, uh, I, especially when it comes to that stupid Ghostbusters afterlife, we had our arguments there. And I think that thing was just desperate for Gen X nostalgia. Please remember that you love this franchise after that last movie. Uh, ignore all of our our bad writing just please desperately uh, uh give us your affections <laughs> and <laughs> maybe, maybe that's just mean i don't know
1: yeah, who knows
0: and, and and the whole concept of the the requals, which star wars did as well of the bringing back the old cast to uh carry on to a new one is very much that please remember that you loved us and uh yeah, join us on our new adventures
1: Yeah, um, would you say that, I know this is a modern thing, but do you think that Star Wars 77 is an example of toxic nostalgia?
0: Which, uh, 77? Yeah, 77. I don't think so, because, uh, no, no, I I don't think so. I I think it's some more innocent nostalgia, I think, back then. Because this is, um... Francis Ford Coppola telling Lucas, like, what do you think could be like a mainstream hit? And I don't think it was Lucas just cravenly thinking like, Oh, what worked in the past? I think it was more like, okay, like if I'm thinking of a mainstream thing, what would I want to see if I was like a kid, just going to a theater? I think that's what Lucas was thinking when he was making this. And so that I think is more innocent than being like, okay, let's, let's find something that people, that we know that people loved. And let's resurrect it and bring back the parts that they love while inserting all this new stuff and hope that it'll yeah, m- make them uh, all show up and, and cry. <laughs> <laughs> and or just be like, hey, we got you. Here,
1: you remember this? Like, it's it sort of has that, but also doesn't.
0: Yeah. Yeah, by the way, the more we keep talking, the more I th- feel like uh, Ghostbusters maybe is the natural place to go for our next uh, film franchise. I don't know. With that new one coming, you definitely have some things to say about it. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: but uh, what was your next place that you wanted to go?
1: I was going to ask you, um, what you thought of, uh, the I guess the end. Like I, I kind of mentioned this before, but what the or in the you know, first one we did, not first one, um, but what we had just done, uh, what you thought of Lucas's? This is his third film where you thought like you know how if you what you saw of thx and american graffiti in this one
0: yeah a really interesting place for for him to go he he had done a very small film to start tried to expand out to a bigger cast to uh pretty well results for him and, and one of the things that's funny about star wars is i think when a lot of people think about it they think of lucas as this guy who was like a struggling like film student oh he made his his small film thx and then You know move to this bigger film but american graffiti was a big success and he was kind of sitting on a a fair amount of cash for for a while there and it was like okay if i'm going to make my next film i want to make something that's going to be you know continuing to get bigger Uh, but yeah like like uh steve was mentioning with richard dreyfus he said that george lucas was the only director they ever worked with who didn't want to direct didn't like directing and so coming into this project maybe already having some reservations, and then it being such a big disaster behind the scenes. It's hard to really know how much you can credit George himself for how this thing turned out, because, like Eric also mentioned, like if you look at some of the behind-the-scenes stuff or know much about the original script ideas that he had, it seemed like this thing was just a big piece of chaos going on. And it was other people who would come in and kind of corral what he was doing. But, yeah, I don't know. It's hard to really think how to credit this as his, his his third film. Maybe because we know so much about the behind the scenes, maybe with other directors, this kind of thing happens too. We just don't have it so extensively documented. I don't know, is that a good answer? I, I'm not sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, no, I, I understand where we're coming from in that it is hard to say how much, you know, control he had, say, over Like, how much involved he was with, you know, THX and then with uh, American Graffiti, and then all of a sudden this one, because this one seemed to have gotten out of hand, hence why he made a lot of. This is the one that has the most extensive uses of special uh, edition recuts or edits, excuse me, and inserts. So, yeah, where this is, does he get sole credit on this one? Uh that's that's a good point that's a that's up for contention because i think it's definitely like you know an entire team's work like not a committee but thankfully like everybody and their mother especially his wife of course you know who helped you know edit this thing together uh and gary kurtz as well as producer i think definitely and john williams of course definitely should like share the success Uh, with him in this because yeah this is not this is not an easy task definitely a herculean task for many a people and he was just the he was just the guy to kind of direct everybody towards the goal yeah but i guess yeah any any like i guess repeating images or themes that you picked up from thx and american graffiti that kind of found their way into um star, star wars or even symbolism as well
0: Oh yeah, uh, definitely. When it comes to, I I never th- thought to connect the fact that so many of the uh, stormtroopers all just have numbers as names. That definitely feels like a, yeah. a bring over from THX. I th- I think there was even a mention of THX in there somewhere. I can't remember where. Somewhere someone had that designation. I think.
1: Yeah, it was. Oh, it was. I th- it was either. The prison block that Princess Leia was being held in, like the prison number, I think, or oh. was something because it was in that scene when they storm into um, the prison control room and they blast everything. And I think afterwards, um, Harrison Ford uh, or not Harrison, sorry, uh, Han Solo uh, finds the number and I guess gives it says it to Luke.
0: Yeah, yeah. Then I guess the the droids, you know, the THX droids didn't necessarily look like these ones, but. I feel like there's a similar connection there. If you can, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm, maybe that's a reach.
1: <laughs> I guess it's also maybe a similarity to between like the hologram guy. Cause I mean,
0: he came out of nowhere yep. and he yep.
1: was, well, it was hard to tell him apart from, I guess, other artificial life forms or well, what we call artificial life forms. Cause he looked fairly human, but he said he was a hologram and it's like, okay, fair enough. <laughs> I it can't really tell. You apart from that, but anyway, unless that's a different designation. But, um, oh, what else was there? I, I just had something. Oh, but funny thing, I guess you do you know about this one, but the fun fact you remember, uh, during that scene when, um, Han Solo, uh, gets the call or whatever, not gets the call but he has to, like, you know, ablib and be like, uh, everything's fine, you know, uh, weapons, mef- weapons malfunction, negative, negative, we have a reactor yeah. leak, it's bad, give us a few missed lock of town. It's all fine here, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh how how are you? Um Yeah, yeah apparently that was uh um, Harrison Ford forgetting his lines. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. And hey, it's it feels genuine to me.
0: Yep. Yeah. yeah. And and Harrison Ford definitely getting the uh we didn't really talk about him too. I think that he was just coming on to be a carpenter for this one. Yep. And it was just yeah, they they couldn't really find anyone and he was just doing stand-in work like, "Oh, I'll all uh help out with the auditions, you know, I'll just be the opposite person, because I guess he was friends with George. Well, yeah, because he previously worked on American Graffiti, so he's like, yeah,
1: okay, why not?
0: And it was like, well, we can't find anyone else, and you you keep playing this role so well, so I guess we're just going with you. (laughs) And to be fair, I don't know if he hated the role initially, like Steve mentioned.
1: I think it was during Empire when he grew to, like, loathe the character, or at least loathe being a part of this you know, corporate entity or whatever you want to call it um you know this, this whole like merchandise driven media project or whatever you want to call it but i think you know there's probably frustrations but i i don't think he immediately hated this film i i have no idea no i don't no i don't i don't want to like put words in his mouth but i i like to think that he doesn't hate star wars uh 1977 excuse me
0: well i get the sense that from what i've seen that kind of the the chaos behind the scenes wasn't just a stress on george lucas i feel like a lot of people were having frustrations working on this oh yeah so i think maybe he you know after he was done with empire it was kind of like okay that was a more smooth production but i feel like i'm ready to move on to bigger and better things i've got people knocking for me to do other things and i'm ready to be done with star wars how about we just kill me off so i don't have to come back for for how many more sequels are you going to make you know (laughs) and i mean i've never questioned
1: this but it's I wonder how, it's almost like he still at least, well, again, from a distance, I haven't like read anything into it, but I, I it is interesting that he at least still continued to work on, maybe it's because it was a Spielberg, but he at least continued to still work at a, you know, by, by proxy potentially with, with Lucas on internet Jones. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah. Again, I don't know if it was just because he wasn't, he was avoiding Lucas or because it was Spielberg who was running the show or if him and Lucas were still buds. Like I I don't know. I put my hands in the air. I'm not not trying to start any rumors or anything like that. I'm just pontificating and questioning over it. There's no rumors whatsoever. There's no facts here whatsoever. I just, I I hope it's the truth, but I'm only speculating.
0: Yeah, I I get the sense that him and Lucas stayed friends and they they stayed friends up until, uh, yeah, a long time. Because when it came to the Crystal Skull, it was just him and George talking. And George was like, oh, you know, Harrison kept coming to me asking, hey, let's start this up again. And then Lucas went to Spielberg. And Spielberg was like, "Oh, sure, I remember those fun days. Let's let's do it again." <laughs> so, yeah, maybe. And I don't know, maybe, maybe him and Harrison Ford had been friends before American Graffiti. I don't I don't know anything about their connection. I think
1: so, maybe. I think I don't know. I think Empire Dreams says somewhere about that, but yeah, so possibly. I don't, I don't fully know. Um, I hope I hope him and Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher had a good relationship with each other. But again, don't know. Hands in the air.
0: Yeah, that I don't know. I'm pretty sure Carrie Fisher did say that she slept with Harrison Ford at one point. But...
1: <laughs> and she was significantly younger than he was. Because, what was it? He She was 19. Oh, really? Uh, Harrison was like 30 or something like that, and Mark was 21. Oh, oh, wow. oh yeah. wow. Yeah. That's... Oh, boy.
0: But hey, 70s, I suppose. Um, But I'm just trying to think if there was... I mean, there was one thing that I didn't mention, that I kept looking for the chance, and I... I wish that I could have got it in with with them in particular cuz I think you I think I already told you about this and you wouldn't uh, have as much affection with this guy cuz you wouldn't have seen some of the stuff that he's done but I'm always so happy to see Shane Rimmer being in this a uh, Canadian actor who is living in England he showed up in a whole bunch of James Bond movies. He showed up in Doctor Who.
1: Oh yeah, no, I know this guy. I, I do know this guy. This is, he was in a Strange Brew. Oh was Shane Ermer's in there? Oh man, I didn't realize. I think he's I think he's in there, yeah, 'cause he's yeah, he's like 'cause he's the Y Wing uh bomber guy, right?
0: Uh no, he's not a bomber. He he's a he's doing some repairs. He does I don't think he I think he has like one line. Never mind. Okay. Wrong guy.
1: Sorry, never mind. Yeah. But he, I remember you mentioned him in, um, what is it? He was in uh, Str- Dr. Strangelove. That's who it was.
0: Yes, he was in Dr. Strangelove. Yeah, he Shane Rumor shows up so much. He was uh, a regular in those Thunderbirds uh, and Jerry Anderson projects. He would pop in. I think he was maybe the, one of the leads in the original Thunderbirds show, I think. And um, yeah, he, he's just been a, a, a part of my life for a long time. And I always saw him in the background. And I never really realized that he was in star Wars until around when we did it back in 2020. And so I was so excited to see him there. Cause, cause for such a long time, I'd not really gone back to star Wars. So, well, I mean, you divorced it. You were like, nah, I'm done. I'm done with these. Yeah. My peak my prequel hate. Yeah. Spread to the, the original trilogy. And I kind of put it on a shelf and was like, I'm, I'm not really, I'm kind of done with star Wars. So,
1: <laughs> well, I guess this is, I, I, maybe this should be for the end, but I'm going to ask just now, would you rewatch this film again?
0: Oh, I mean, is
1: that a real question? <laughs> yes, I mean, it is. I'm trying to like, you know, legitimize and, and see if, uh, you know, I'm trying to put this film under a microscope and trying to do the opposite of, you know, what we did last or what I did last time with it, which was just praise the ever living heck out of it. At least this time, I feel like my praise is justified and that I understand
0: it more. Yeah, I'll definitely 100% go back to this. Yeah. How about you? Do you think you go back to this?
1: Oh, I mean, certainly. Like, of course I would. Uh, again, it yeah. sounds like fanboys, but like, no. I, I have a, I like the fact that I have, like, like I said, I've, I've come, I've watched this film uh, over the years, and I, I treat it like a bottle of wine, uh, where it's only good for in certain occasions. I know that's maybe I'm, put it maybe a little yeah. too a hoity-toity, and I'm like, you know, okay, it's not that great, but it's like. I, maybe I'll get, reach that point where it's like, no, I'll I'll reach the point where I get to watch it like every day again because, you know, I just love it to death. But like now I'm just in that moment where like, no, I kind of want to savor this. This is like, this is, I wouldn't say this is, this is the other thing where I was trying to go with, is this high art? Probably not. No, no. But it's at least well-made uh, pop art.
0: Yeah, and I guess I'll mention this. This is kind of funny timing. After we finished our discussion of Star Wars 77, I went on to uh, Facebook and one of the pages that I follow is the now playing podcast listener uh, group. And someone had just made uh, a comment. They'd made it maybe like 20 minutes before I saw it. And their, their thing was, it was like, uh, I can't remember the exact word, but it was the, the core of it was that um, Superman 1978 was objectively a better made movie than star Wars 77. And just about everyone in the comments was in an uproar. They were all upset. They're like, "No, now that there's no way, there's no way that that's a better movie. Like you're crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as I was sitting there thinking about it, we had just had this long discussion. I was like, I kind of agree. You know, I, I, I do think that maybe Superman's 78 is a better movie. <laughs> yeah. But in terms of which one had the bigger cultural impact, uh, the one that I watched more often. There's just such a fun quality about Star Wars that I just always want to go back. Um, but I did comment on that. I said, I, I think if two, the two of them didn't have sequels, uh, Superman 78 would look better because it didn't have those campy sequels to follow. I agree. And Star Wars 77 would look would look worse if it didn't have Empire to uh, stand on. Because if it didn't have Empire, I think it would just be kind of a quirky, interesting 70s experiment and it'd be like oh look this is a a different way to do sci-fi instead of the serious sci-fi we've been doing and it would still have its influence but empire is such a a great movie so much better than the original that it it makes the original better retroactively i think i don't know if you agree but
1: (laughs) well yeah and another thing i have to really mention is that I, i i should have interjected every time you guys said it but it is Space fantasy I, it is not yes. science fiction. It's the it's the you know space opera, but a lot more like that space fantasy in there. Um, this is not the same as Star Trek, but I can understand why people equated it uh, and conflated it as well with with you know science fiction. Yeah, but yeah, no, it's a lot more. Yeah, it's a lot more fantasy esque and with fa- but obviously, yeah, you can see the science fiction roots of it. Um, but yeah, there's that mix with the fact that you have the force in there. Uh my my whole goal, my whole objective in this entire discussion, I don't know if I've done a good job of it, is saying uh does this film hold up? Like you know, regardless of criticism, like can this film stand up nowadays as at least a good film? And you know, one that's or is it just a has it always been a bad film? And you know, we've all just been living a lie our entire lives.
0: <laughs> no. Uh I think it holds up about 85% as a as a quality movie. I've never thought that the original Star Wars was a great movie. I think I may be just in a different camp than other people. Uh, like we discussed, I thought that the pacing is a little bit... Yeah, just not quite right. And Vader... We, we actually didn't discuss this, but Vader... We did ...does not... I, I think is a better villain because of Empire. If, if this movie just was only what it is, he'd be kind of just a guy in a suit. He'd be almost generic there'd be some flourishes that'd be like oh th- there's hidden depths here that would make him interesting but if they were never explored it'd just be like yeah but those are just flourishes on a suit there's there's not much more there so uh, everything becomes better after the empire strikes back fills out this world so dramatically and so beautifully that it makes this thing every time you go back you can't help but bring in those informed views from empire and it strengthens it
1: yeah, the more you think of it, the more you say. The more, yeah, you're correct. Where this is an entirely different character altogether uh, than because, yeah, in, in Empire again, not to go f- you know, to do that, obviously, but he's very reserved. At least he's a lot more, I guess, cold. I mean, not that he wasn't cold in this one, but he's a lot more, yeah, I, I not laid back is not the word, but he's different.
0: Yeah, he he's got a he's got a weight on him. He he's he's. Even though we don't fully realize, I mean, we do by the end of the movie realize that he is a little bit torn in his way. In the original Star Wars, I, I, I don't think he really has that much of a character. He's he's a he's muscle with this kind of spiritual side that's not explored. It's just kind of told to you in dialogue. That he holds on to this old religion, but it's not really told. And his conflict with Obi Wan is really not not developed much it's more developed on the side of obi-wan but we don't really get a sense of what that meeting means to him at all not until empire so well i mean i guess for the film itself maybe because
1: we know we know darth vader's name from when princess leia utters it to him when she first sees him yeah, that's how we inter- get introduced, and that makes sense because it's like, ah, Darth Vader. I know who you are. Um, that's why she would say it. Now, it doesn't feel forced or out of context, or just no nope. awkward. Um, but then, so so we get a face there, and it just seems like, yeah, he's just that henchman that you would see, you know, like the the Dark Knight, basically the the Black Knight uh, in in again the the serials or something like that. Just like you, uh, the the heavy. Mm-hmm. Or whatnot, the face of uh, a man who uh, is an obstacle for our heroes to face. Uh, literally, physically, he would be. We, we see how like physical he is, and uh, like he literally strangles a guy to death. And the other thing is, I don't know if there, there by this point, there is no robotic limbs. Yeah, so for all intents and purposes, yeah, he's just. We don't know he's singed. We uh, like, I don't think he's singed under that mask, but definitely means something to wear that. But when Obi-Wan tells Luke about the lightsaber and, you know, how did my father die? Um, Regardless of, you know, the brilliance that we do in empire of merging those two characters together. um, Even Alec Guinness, performance, I think still sells me that lie. Maybe you could say otherwise, but again, that's for later on. Um, But, I think at least gives some weight to Darth Vader and shows that he is at least somebody like he actually had a hand, like there is backstory to him. And I see your point in saying that he has more of a significant presence for Obi-Wan's character than his own identity. But knowing that he was like this man who betrayed the Jedi order that at least I think gives there's something there. I think there's at least maybe something to grasp onto.
0: Yeah, and it adds, it adds a little bit of extra yeah, pathos to this this great image. Like, when we first see him, he's got such an imposing presence and all the strangling of his, his own men. Like, he's just... It's almost like he's in a different league than his other people. Oh, certainly. Except for the Grand Moff. So, in that way, he does have a strong screen presence. It's just, without Empire, there isn't a strong character presence, I don't think.
1: That's true. No, that's a, And he's a lot yeah, he's a lot more, like I mentioned this already, but he's a lot more shouty as well. Um, like, you are part of the Rebel Alliance and a traitor, take her away. And he's like very loud and demanding. But again, different, like, early stages, I guess, with this. So you are right in that sense. By the way, I also want to just say this. Whether Luke was, this is just towards Blue Harvest. I know um, Steve was, you know, harping on that. And the, the whole joke where, uh, Was it when when they're doing the training droid scene? Which I love that scene as well, uh, with the explanation of the Force, uh, where Luke goes like, you know, he gets you know shot at by the remote, and he's you know uh, he goes like, oh, you don't to Han Solo, oh, you don't believe in the Force, and then Blue Harvest. The joke is, you mean that thing you literally found out about thirty minutes ago, or something like that? And then I realized, okay, maybe Luke's just indoctrinated or something like that, or at least you know seeing his believing. But when he realized that. You know, Obi Wan was able to you know use the Jedi mind trick on the stormtroopers. Maybe, yeah. Okay, maybe that's a little bit of a like a stretch to say, but like that's where I think he's like, oh, it exists. Yeah, no, I I hate that blue P- P- harvest joke.
0: <laughs> as I do for many jokes.
1: I know. I, I I still like it as like a parody. Uh, but like I like Eric said, I can do a separation between the two where it's just like, okay, I can see this is like poking fun at the whole thing, but at the same time yeah it's better to just like I, I even though i almost didn't separate uh with the whole like stormtroopers can't aim to save their life um uh, no i i see it now it's it's i can separate between the two and have fun with just the regular series or regular movie excuse me
0: yeah it's just whatever type of i don't know i is that postmodern humor do you think probably uh it's uh, the thing The got the guy who always screams,
1: you know, uh, Gen X and postmodern humor doesn't actually know what it is. What a what a farce! What a what a joke this guy is.
0: I mean, I guess it. I guess it is. It just, I. It's hard to tell if it's like. Well, I guess if it is poking knowingly poking fun at something that they love, that is very postmodern. So, uh, but yeah, I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I get. It. Yeah, no. For, yeah, potentially. Um, let's see. Was there? Really, was there something else? Um, I guess you know another thing. I, I maybe this is how they could have gone with it, but I also kind of saw. Um, w- thinking of the uh, American Graffiti characters, um, I think I saw a bit of. Remember the um, the road racer. Um, remember the, uh, yeah. the, the 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 grease monkey uh, with paired with the uh, the teenage girl. Yep. Yeah. Sorry, that came out wrong, but if you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. I kind of got the sense that that was a maybe i'm reading too much into this but like i felt that was an extension of han solo with princess leia albeit obviously much different but I, and again the romance doesn't happen until the next one but i still and it was not romantic in american graffiti sorry but that was the dynamic i was like oh i kind of see where lucas is drawing his inspiration from and what, not, it's obviously other inspiration but like from himself in a way or whoever wrote those characters in american graffiti i
0: can i can definitely see some comparison there and in a lot of the uh i wondered if some of the uh the ending with them doing their fighter pilot stuff is feeding on some of the race element too so you got a race to the to the goal right in time and some of the stuff with the speeder i guess in moss eisley as well i guess you could maybe he was bringing in some of his old school uh, love of cars
1: Oh, I mean, like I said, there was that joke I think or maybe there was like a gag gagger Easter egg where uh during the scene where obi-wan's turning off the tractor beam, the two stormtroopers go like so you heard about the new t sixteens it's like <laughs> yeah. bringing bringing in that kind of like you know I guess car culture so it's like, hey, and these guys have some um they ha they have some uh credit to them or they have some uh, character to them excuse me. Or at least not character, but, you know, whatever. It's like some, like, part of, like, oh, they're not just mindless or something like that.
0: Oh, but I forgot it was, uh... Yeah, George Lucas wrote it with Gloria Katz and Willard Hayek. Or as I like to say, uh, Willard uh, High Duck. Or, uh, as I sometimes call him, Mallard High Duck. (laughs) That's just stupid. I don't know why I say that.
1: Is it because they Uh, wrote, like, they helped him write... Oh, golly.
0: (laughs) They were the they were the, the 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 dream team behind Howard the Duck. Those two there, and Willard uh, Hayek directed Howard the Duck. So yeah, I call him Mallard <sighs> High Duck. <laughs> stupid. stupid, stupid. I don't know. Why I well, it's it's weird though because
1: they kind of you know struck gold with American Graffiti,
0: at least for you. Well, I wasn't one of the ones saying that uh, American Graffiti was gold. That was you and. Uh,
1: Era. Oh, sorry. Okay. That's that's fair.
0: I said for a a movie in a genre that I don't really like. I found lots of things to like. Okay. But overall, yeah, not not a particular favorite. Sorry if it was me conflating facts again. But I I just do I do think it's hilarious that yeah, they those two were really the two that were the driving force behind Howard the Duck and <laughs> yeah, drastic fall off only uh like 10 years later.
1: Interesting. <laughs> I wonder if Ron Howard's character, pardon me, I forgot their names in the, in the film, but from American Graffiti, I wonder if there was any, if, if they brought his character into Luke Skywalker, obviously he's a definitely written character, but just like, I wonder if there's some aspects of him similar into, you know, Luke Skywalker's uh, character uh, just with that youthful energy or, you know, the youth of the time. Although it was the 60s youth, not so much the uh, 70s youth. Very different at the different periods. Uh, uh, nothing that I can
0: see, but... Okay. Uh, <laughs> Grassman at Straws, got it. Could be. <laughs> oh, by the way, all my notes are done. So I don't know. I don't know if you have anywhere else to go.
1: I kind of figured... Oh, by the way, uh, another thing I was always confused by, but upon I guess re-watching it in subtitles... Um... Again, two two Stormtroopers that Obi-Wan's, you know, while he's turning the tractor beam off, uh, he goes, or they go, uh, what was that? After he, you know, kind of force pushes something or or whatever, uh, they go, hey, what was that? Maybe it's another drill. I always heard it as, maybe it's another girl. Oh.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Yeah,
1: That's, That's just maybe the way the guy said girl and... Or drill, excuse me. It sounded like girl to me, like it was muffled in the uh, in the suit. I I don't know, but I was always like, <laughs> "Did you seriously just say that?"
0: Yeah, maybe now we are grasping for the straws. So maybe we should start, uh, yeah, winding it down. And yeah, it. fair enough. I don't want to
1: end it on that. Yeah, I don't want <laughs> yeah, to keep obviously going and start grasping. But you know, yeah, it's um, and I guess you know, R two D two. He played the long game, like he. <laughs> oh no. no just just thinking about it it's just like wow r2 like he's a he's a scheming little son of a gun isn't he like um somehow he had it so that he got all the way to the princess still like he ended up back with the princess but then onto alderan or sorry uh, on yavin um quite the long game he played quite the uh series of fortunate events for that that little droid
0: yeah, I guess especially if you factor in the uh, the prequels, but yeah, I guess we don't do that. <laughs>
1: We're not going there. We're not going there. We're not going there. We're not doing that. No, thank you, sir. But anyway, okay. Yeah, I th- I'm I'm good for now. Uh, I just uh, uh, really what I wanted to do uh, with this series when I was thinking about it for I may have been exaggerating when it came to like you know keeping me up at night, but it definitely had me thinking you know day you know days and nights. Not Sleepless, but just like, yeah, it was, it was thought to me, as like, what am I going to say, as Sean alluded to, like, what are what are we going to say that has not been said already? And the thing I could only think of was, well, not criticizing, but definitely, it, well, criticism's not a bad thing necessarily, not negatively like looking at, but just like, does this film still work? And, you know, despite all the hype and cultish behavior by some people, me included, uh, have behind it
0: reverence excuse me it has yeah and i think i I think it definitely still works yeah it's definitely not the best of the star wars franchise i i certainly don't think so i think it's pretty clearly empire (laughs) um but just as a movie to to take off the shelf every now and again and enjoy i think there's definitely still a lot there to hold on to
1: Yeah, for like his third attempt at this as chaotic as it was and again Asterix, maybe not just his sole like sole credit to this whole thing, but darn, just to like you know create a project like this and how big it was—it's fantastic. Like, just a miracle that it was made, and you know the the uh, all the accolades it got from it, and you know legacy. Like, not going into what Steve had you know like gushed over, but just like, yeah, that's what that's what makes this film so like you know astounding or at least surprising. I'm just like, wow. Like from all from this, like a whole universe is made, and our whole franchise and media was pretty much created. But as for the film itself, sorry, you know, get ahead of myself. Yeah, I can definitely see. um, You're gonna definitely see the areas where uh, it doesn't reach that. You know, reach the good stuff there. But you know, overall, yeah, it's still. uh, I think this is a good film. I think uh, I'm definitely feeling this film. And would watch it again.
0: Nice, and uh, yeah, I guess we are moving on. to Empire at some point soon, and hopefully we won't have any sort of uh, troubles in the bar or people who were, yeah, maybe dipping too hard into the the, the heavy stuff. Maybe the bartenders we got to cut them off with uh, certain members of the Star Wars crew a little earlier. So <laughs> yes, uh, definitely, me included. Because boy, I'm 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 tipped up you're recording a podcast, don't drink Wild Turkey 101 for your first time. Uh, unexpectedly uh, not realizing that it was 50% alcohol instead of uh, the usual 40.
1: You gotta stop there, bud. You're <laughs> outing ourselves. You're not supposed to be drinking on the job again, or else...
0: Yeah, hopefully no one's listening, but uh, if they are, uh, fuck off. This is our oh, bar. Golly. We're doomed.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, I guess everyone is listening. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. Uh, cut that bit uh johnny (laughs) cut to johnny what (laughs) just like darth vader
1: oh and uh another thing is that with the antagonist in this film at least I, i guess dual antagonist and grand moff is like the main one um yeah he survives that's interesting i suppose usually we kill the villain and instead he gets away somehow which i never figured yeah. out i don't i don't know why like all of a sudden he lost control
0: and also shouldn't he have blown up luke's ship like he had him literally like in his sights and anyway it doesn't matter yes but thank you for for joining us here in the bar thank you Isaac for uh yeah coming coming back and and picking up on some of those those lost threads i know at first you were like oh i don't want to be a george lucas and uh you know give a special edition here uh, but yeah special edition speakeasy from us in the bar happy to uh fill in those gaps.
1: Eh, it's a little different. Like special edition would be like you insert all these into the actual, you know, episode. <laughs> that's but true. you can obviously re- release the episode as it is, or you will you have released the episode as it is. This is just like yeah, you know, I wasn't really too happy so I at least want a addendum almost. Maybe that's a little cheap, but no, you know, there's things on left on there's things left on the table that I really wanted to say and admit you know i didn't do a, the best job of well circumstances that occurred uh it's written me from saying that stuff but i also should have taken a more proactive approach um yeah this time but i'm also yeah you know, not to again not to keep you know keep this going on but i'm at least yeah kind exactly kind <laughs> of happy that i hope i've done a better job of anal- uh, analyzing excuse me uh this film rather than Whatever you want to call that
0: first commentary we did of this, because, oh, boy. Oh, man. yeah. Let's not even get to that. I have not gone back to that in a number of years. I don't think I ever will either. I might go back one day. I'm sure I will go back one day, but I don't want That's time. true.
1: Okay, maybe, yeah. As of this point, I I don't want to. I'm still... I still don't want to open up that that pickle jar of what's in there. It's like uh, I'm just gonna you know push it back to this keep it i, I every time you know I, I pull out you know a drink for one of the customers,
0: I always see that pickle jar back there,
1: and I'm like, nope, not today,
0: <laughs> yeah, one of these days we'll discuss some of those older episodes and maybe on the the end of your uh, bonus episode, which will probably have come out by the time this episode comes out. <laughs> Yeah, maybe we'll discuss some of our older uh, days <laughs> and how difficult they are for us to go back to potentially <laughs> the learning process or the learning years yeah, but uh, but take us home Isaac take take us out of this uh, this evening. I hope it wasn't the blue milk that
1: killed Uncle Owen and Aunt Peru or it's uh <laughs> hopefully it's not flammable or else it caused them to go like that yeesh um, but until next time peace.